before we get into the Word of God this morning, will you let me lead you in a word of prayer? And so, Father God, in these moments this morning, pause and return to you. You are our God. We have no other. And we are thankful for the love and grace and mercy you've poured into our lives. Your willingness to adopt us by faith to become your children. And even this morning as we are gathered here in this place, you call us your dearly loved children. And this morning, Father God, we come before you because we've come to that point in our times together where we are about to open your word. And I want to ask this morning, Father God, is that you would quiet all of our minds, all of our hearts, all of our spirits. And I pray, Lord, by working of your Holy Spirit, you'd open our ears. And that during the time I stand before these people, they will somehow hear your voice as I open your word that they somehow will know as we go through this that God is speaking to them. It's not good enough for them to say Jim did well. Father, what I am praying is that by the end of this sermon today, people will be saying God has done well, and I feel a lot closer to you. Help us, O oh God. We know we have an adversary, so deliver us from all his distractions. God, just take over. Take over. And I pray that your will would be done, not ours, but your will would be done. Glory would come to Jesus, and all of us would know we have been in the presence of a living God, and we'll never be the same again. Thank you for your word, God. We open it now before you in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, our Savior and Lord, and as we sang this morning, our soon coming King. Amen. So if there's a picture that we can use to illustrate somewhat our subject for this morning, it might go something like this. It is a picture of you as one of those rare human beings who is not given to carrying out all your business online. And so you are out shopping, maybe at a warehouse mart, maybe at a discount store, or maybe you have actually dared during the holiday season to face the crowds and go to the mall of all places. But on this occasion, you have brought your children with you, or perhaps you are enjoying doing the grandparenting duty. You have a couple of your younger grandchildren with you. At this point, you have become engrossed in picking out the perfect gift, hopefully for your spouse, but maybe, hint, hint, also for one of the fine church staff that serves us regularly. But anyway, you're focused on finding the perfect gift, uh, very focused on it. And as you are, one of the younger children with you, a master at playing hide-and-seek, has somehow wandered off. And as you turn around, you notice that they are missing. Panicked, you run through the whole store calling out their name very, very loudly. 
but there's no answer. And now you are beginning to feel a very desperate sense of loss. How could they have gotten away that easily? Where could they have gone? Or maybe the worst fear of every parent or grandparent these days, has someone taken them away? In just a single moment, a pleasant shopping trip has turned into catastrophe. In a blink of an eye, you have lost one of the most precious things in your life, child. But did you know this morning that our Father in Heaven feels that same way about you and I? He knows that we all have a tendency to slip away, to go astray. Sometimes we actually play hide-and-seek from Him. The difference, though, in the case of God is that He never, ever, ever has lost sight of any of us. Mark that down today. Oh, at times we might feel that he has lost sight of us, but he never, ever, ever has, never, ever, ever will, not any single one of us. He knows exactly where we are at every moment. He knows precisely what you and I are going through, even when we came to church this morning. Nothing, nothing escapes the all-pervasive of the Almighty God of heaven and earth. Sadly, though, what that also means is that he knows, he, he knows too well and sees too often that the very people he created are not right now connected very well with him. Some have wandered away. Others are playing a game of spiritual hide-and-seek, picking and choosing when they will make themselves known to him. All in all, far too many people, far too many, who are not in very close connection with the Almighty God of heaven and earth. And what does God think as he sees us like this? Does he become panicked like the shopper in the store? in our illustration? Or has he become very angry with us because of our foolish choices? It does go through the heart and mind of God when he sees people like us, sometimes at a distance, sometimes very far away. It goes through his heart and mind. Would you like this morning to see a picture of the heart of God at such times? This is one of the great pictures of God found in the Old Testament. It is found in the book of Isaiah, as Jason mentioned earlier. Said that several, chapters, several chapters after the text on which Pastor Steve was focusing this month, it's nearer the end of the book. And God is making a final appeal to people not close to him, people who, as it turns out, were clearly suffering because of the choices that they were making in their lives that did not include God. The year is around 700 B.C., and the messenger it turned, the message from God is the prophet Isaiah. And the message he sends to his people 
We call Isaiah 55, verses 1 through 7. Isaiah 55, verses 1 through 7. Come, everyone who thirsts, come to the waters. And he who has no money, come, buy and eat. Come, buy wine and milk without money and without price. Why do you spend your money for that which is not bread, and your labor for that which does not satisfy? Listen diligently to me, and eat what is good, and delight yourselves in rich food. Incline your ear, and come to me. Hear that your soul may live, and I will make with you an everlasting covenant, my steadfast sure love for David. Behold, I made him a witness to the peoples, a leader and commander for the peoples. Behold, you shall call a nation that you do not know, and a nation that did not know you shall run to you because of the Lord your God and of the Holy One of Israel, for he has glorified you. Seek the Lord while he may be found. Call upon him while he is near. Let the wicked forsake his way and the unrighteous man his thoughts. Let him return to the Lord that he may have compassion on him and to our God, for he will abundantly pardon. Now, because I think it's always important when we're interpreting the Bible, a verse of the Bible or a passage of the Bible, I think it's really important that we see that verse and that passage in the context in which it is given, if we're going to interpret it accurately. So in that sense, let's talk about the context of these verses in Isaiah 55. At the time, at the, time the message came to Isaiah, the people of God, Israel, were on the verge of captivity. Some had probably already been taken away by Assyria, but the rest were on the verge of the very same thing. This was one of those chaos situations Pastor Steve talked about last week. It was a very difficult time for the people, troubling time, a time of affliction. In light of which, God has sent the prophet Isaiah to the people with a whole lot of messages, whole lot of message, the most recent ones having included the glorious prediction about the coming humiliation and sufferings and exaltation of the one he will send, the Messiah, the Christ, in chapter 53. And then he has also added a prediction of his plans for the Messiah's kingdom. And specifically, it's enlargement through the addition of the Gentiles in chapter 54, which leads us then now to the amazing invitation God extends to his people in Isaiah 55. Now let me just interject here one other word before we dive into the text. A word about how to interpret the prophets, especially passages like the one before us this morning. In particular, I just want us to be aware this morning that among the most prophetic writings, you will find frequent use of something called metaphors. Yes, it is true that it's best to interpret most all of what you read in the Bible literally, 
interpreting the words to mean exactly what they say, but still, in the Psalms and in the prophets, sometimes God uses pictures to describe the truths or the realities he wants the listener to understand. So, although, it, so that the, we are, in the same way Jesus used parables in the Gospels, in that sense, some of what we read is not meant to be taken literally, although the truth contained in that picture is meant to be taken literally, meaning that metaphors are to be taken as symbols, pictures given to make the ideas clearer to the listener, to the reader. So with all that background behind us, which I think is really important if we're going to rightly divide the words of Isaiah, let's now look at our text. How then are we best to understand the words of God to his people in Isaiah 55, verses 1 through 7? Well, the first thing we definitely want to notice is what is being offered by God to his people in these verses. There is an incredible divine invitation here. Verse 1. Come, everyone who thirsts, come to the waters. And he who has no money, come, buy and eat. Come, buy wine and milk without money and without price. So did you notice as I read that, to whom God is extending this incredible invitation of Isaiah 55? Verse 1, come, everyone who thirsts, everyone. And yes, this does mean anyone, everyone. It is a universal invitation. It is an invitation to everyone who thirsts. A metaphor, meaning everyone who feels a keen sense of need inside. Anyone who feels a need emotionally, who is spiritually thirsty, anyone that is weary and tired, anyone who is grieving, anyone who is disappointed at the challenging times of Christmas, anyone who is struggling, anyone who is feeling defeated, God says to all such people, including you and I today, come, come, come to the waters. Another metaphor meaning the waters of spiritual refreshment, meaning the place where we may or may drink and be refreshed by God's Spirit, God is saying to all, come, come and drink from me. Come. And what if we feel we have nothing to bring to the table, nothing to offer God for his help to us? Well, verse 1 continues. And he who has no money, a metaphor meaning nothing to bring to God's well, which is true of all of us, none of us, because of our sin, have anything to offer a holy God. And still God says, he who has no money, come, buy, receive, eat, come, by wine and milk, another metaphor, symbols representing the spiritual blessings that God wants to offer that will answer the cravings of a heart 
water to maintain our inner life, wine and milk to cheer and nourish our souls and spirits. And we can have all of this, God says, without money and without price. No charge to any of us. You see, as the Bible teaches, because of the work of Jesus, the Messiah on the cross, on our behalf, our cost for the assistance and help of God in our lives, nothing, nothing. There is no charge. We need to bring nothing to the table, no goodness, no works, no service in the church, no knowledge of the Bible. No, the cost of this offer was met in the person of Jesus, the Messiah, on the cross, so that all God asks of we who are needy is to come to him and accept his offer, his offer for help and peace and spiritual refreshment, his help in answering the inner longings of our heart and spirit that we brought to church this morning. It is freely offered by God so that we can freely partake. He just says, come, come. But here's the thing. Here's the thing. The truth is that we do live in a skeptical age, don't we? Many of us have been trained to be skeptical, especially of free offers. I even get a few emails every week warning me of the dangers of some offers. They're going to come my way that I should avoid. And especially in light of the ever-present danger these days, that it could be fraud or hackers or identity threats. And in such a climate, it is possible that some of us cannot help but wonder if God's free offer will really work for us either. We have seen so many ads that have failed to live up to their promises. Some of us have bought into offers that turned out to disappoint us greatly or made us angry. So why should we respond to this free offer, even if it is coming from the almighty God of heaven and earth? Well, let's continue with the divine message that came through Isaiah. Why respond to such an offer? Why? Well, how about because nothing else, nothing else, nothing else in the world satisfies like that which God himself only offers. In fact, Isaiah even asks his audience a very revealing question at this point. Verse 2, why do you spend your money, a metaphor, figurative of the resources that you and I have, our time, our strength, and yes, including our money. Why do you spend your money for that which is not bread? And your labor, meaning the earnings derived from it, for that which, is, for that which repeatedly does not satisfy, does not nourish your soul and spirit, not ultimately. For Israel, it, were, it was idols. Attractions found in the world that they thought might provide them what they need in life. 
or nations and governments that they thought looked powerful enough to help them, like Egypt or Assyria. And in fact, yes, they even paid some of these governments to come and help them. For us in this culture, we probably are more prone to turn to certain pleasures, which offer us a kind of enjoyment that really doesn't satisfy or last very long. Or it could be we turn to the ways that we have convinced ourselves are the ways we are going to solve our problems without ever consulting the wisdom of God. Do you know what Jeremiah calls such choices in Jeremiah 2, 13? Cisterns, broken cisterns that can hold no water. That's what we ultimately get when we do not seek God for that which only can satisfy our soul. And why else should we come to God? How about because a quest for God is a key piece of God's plan for our lives. It's what he's designed us to do and be. It's part of our participation in the covenant spoken of in verse 3, where God says, and I will make with you an everlasting covenant, a contract, a binding agreement between God and those who were and who would become his true people. A covenant established by God, as the verse continues, on the basis of my steadfast, sure love for David. Now, I know there are a lot of different views and beliefs concerning the definition and the use of the word covenant in the Old Testament. But let me just say that in this place, I believe that this is a reference to the new covenant described in Jeremiah 31, 31, and then mentioned again by Jesus in the institution of the Lord's Supper when, if you remember from our commemorations of communion, when Jesus identified the cup by saying, this cup that is poured out for you is the new covenant in my blood. Or if you want a simple explanation of the new covenant, as is also described by Jeremiah, Jeremiah 32, 40. I will make with them an everlasting covenant that I will not turn away from doing good to them. And I will put the fear of me in their hearts. And he will do that with what intent? That they may not turn from me. Implying that those who would become and be his spiritual children would be found perpetually seeking him. That's part of his plan for our lives. There is even one much more clear reason as to why we should respond to God's offer here. How about, best of all, because coming to God and accepting the offer he has laid out in this verse, aligns us, aligns us with an incredible Savior and leader, God's agent, the Messiah. Here's how God describes the Messiah, Jesus, in verse 4. 
Behold, I made, or have appointed him. Him pointing back to the son. The child of chapter 9, verse 6, that we have been studying this month. Pointing back to the wonderful counselor, the mighty God, the everlasting father, the prince of peace. And it also points back to the suffering servant of chapter 53. The one who is despised and rejected by men. A man of sorrows and acquainted with grief. Yet who bore our griefs and carried our sorrows as Jason read this morning. So now then, God is telling us, I have made him my Messiah, the Lord Jesus Christ. I have made him a witness to the peoples, a ruler, leader, and commander for the peoples. He is appointed. He has been given by God. He has been given by God to all, anyone, everyone who will seek him to meet the needs of their lives. He is already in place. He has been appointed for us, and God will connect us with the Lord Jesus Christ of all people when we come to him and receive his offer by God himself. I will do that for you. Now, don't you think those are three pretty good reasons for a, to come and embrace God's offer to you this morning? But maybe then some of us are now wondering, well, all of that sounds really good, Jim. But what am I supposed to do to respond to God? How do I respond to this offer? How are we to respond to God's offer? What are we supposed to do? Now understand that what I'm about to tell you has nothing to do with how we earn this offer of God. It has to do with how we accept God's offer, not earn it. Remember, we have no money to bring to God. We can't buy it. We can't earn it. This is a way of accepting the free, gracious offer that is laying out there for us to take. This is just a description of how one accepts the offer God has graciously extending to all of us this morning. So how do we do that? <clears throat> God tells us in these verses, for one thing, to embrace God's offer here, we will want to make a choice to actively respond to the offerer, the one who's making this offer to us. We need to actively respond to him. Verse 6, my favorite verse in the passage, which I also think is the key verse of the passage. In verse 6, what does God say we are to do? He says, seek the Lord while he may be found. <coughs> Meaning that our part, is that we actively seek, actively pursue God, actively investigate the knowledge of God and his will, especially as it is centered in Jesus Christ. <clears throat> you see, passivity, <coughs> passivity will get us nowhere. Seek the Lord while he may be found. Call upon him while he was while he and by the way, did you notice those two phrases in verse 6 that I read? While he may be found. 
while he is near. You see, it is possible, it is possible that there may come a time when too late is written on all human efforts to try to gain what can be found from God through Jesus Christ. The truth is that God will not extend his offer to mankind forever. If we hesitate to accept it, if we are slow to decide to respond, there is no guarantee, none, that the Almighty God will keep his offer on the table to us. No, according, <clears throat> no, according to 2 Corinthians 6, verse 2, now is a favorable time. Now is the day of salvation. The time is now to seek God, now while he may be found. Jason, there is some good in your life. But then for another thing, <clears throat> if we are to accept and embrace God's offer here, <clears throat> we'll also want to demonstrate our desire for it by seeking to remove all, all the obstacles, anything, anything that is keeping us from him. The, the theological word for this is to repent. Repent. Here's how Isaiah puts it, verse 7. Let the wicked, meaning everyone who has lost contact with God, anyone who has slipped away from his presence, <clears throat> anyone who has put anything in the gap between him and God, let each one of these forsake his way, his current manner of life, repent, and the unrighteous man, <clears throat> the man of iniquity, it's actually true of all of us because of the sin within us, his thoughts, repent, and let him return to the Lord. Return to the most grace, merciful and gracious God the most great, merciful and gracious God of Israel is offering all his blessings. We need to demonstrate an attitude of repentance toward anything, anything in our lives, anything and everything that keeps us from God, even if it might take us a while to actually become free of something. And <clears throat> and if we want to continue to enjoy the benefits found in God's offer here, we will want to slow down a little bit, slow down a little bit, and at times actually listen, actually listen to the God who is making such incredible offers to us. As he himself directs us in verse 2, Listen, listen diligently to me and eat what is good. Another metaphor for that which God provides, especially in his word to sustain our inner life, the life of our soul. <clears throat> and delight yourselves in rich food. 
Incline your ear and come. There's that word again, come. Come to me. Hear that your soul may live. Now, yes, I know it's easy to quit listening when we have become satisfied with the knowledge we already have about Jesus and his word. It's also easy to find ourselves too busy to actually find time to listen to God. I understand that. Wasn't it Jesus himself who invited us in Matthew eleven twenty nine to take my yoke upon you and learn from me? Learn from me? Learn from me and you will find rest for your souls. Have you caught it? How do we accept this incredible offer God is giving to us? Repent. Listen to him. And you will find life for yourself. A pastor one time told a story about one of his church members. <clears throat> the man was an attorney. And after meditating on several scriptures, he decided, he decided it was time to cancel the debt of all the clients that owed him money for more than six months. God had shown him to do that. So he decided he would. And to do it, <clears throat> he drafted a letter explaining his decision and the biblical basis for it. And he sent 17 debt-canceling letters by certified mail out to his clients. One by one, though, each letter was returned to him, unsigned and undelivered. It turned out that 16 of the 17 letters came back to him because his clients refused to sign for and open the envelopes, apparently, as it turned out, because they were afraid that this attorney was suing them for their debts. <clears throat> what we have looked at this morning is a wonderful, wonderful, wonderful invitation offered to every single one of us from the loving Father God of heaven and earth, an offer of hope to any of us who are needy, an offer of strength to any of us who are weak, an offer of refreshment to any of us who are exhausted, an offer of food to, hung, to the hungry spiritually, to the thirsty emotionally, to every one of us here who has a need for help from God in some area or other of our life, in our inner being. You might be struggling big time when you came to this church this morning. You might have had some conflict with others during this Christmas time. Some of us might just be feeling a bit defeated these days or beaten down by the circumstances of life or weighed down by grief issues. And yet, to each one of us comes this divine announcement. Come, come. Everyone who thirsts, come, come to the waters. 
And he who has no money, come, buy and eat. Come, buy wine and milk without money and without price. So will you take up God on his offer this morning? How about right now? How about today? How about this morning? How about as we are sitting here, even in this service now? All you have to do is offer a silent prayer up to him in these moments and just say, God, I want to embrace your offer. I need you at this. All you have to do is, <coughs> all you have to do is ask him this morning. Well, and you can't express your desire to seek him, to repent, and to start listening to him. But what God is just desiring from each of us this morning, whatever our present circumstances might be, all he wants from all of us this morning is to accept his offer on his terms and be willing to change if he shows us that is necessary. Come. Revelation 22, verse 17. The Spirit and the bride say, Come. And let the one who hears say, Come. And let the one who is thirsty, Come. Let the one who desires take the water of life without price. And every single one of us here this morning undo this. And Come to God. He'll satisfy the deepest needs and longings of life. Will you do it? That's simple. And all he wants. Thank, <clears throat> we thank you, Father God. <clears throat> we thank you, Father God, for your grace. We thank you for the instruction of your word. And we ask this morning, Father God, that you would pour out your grace upon these people. That whoever is struggling, I pray that you give them the strength to just turn to you and come. Oh God, we need you. We need your, uh, we need your spiritual life. We need your strength. We need your help. So this morning, God, we do come. Come and fill us with that which we can only find in you, our Lord. We give ourselves to you. Fill us. In the name of Jesus, we pray.